Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you with us today and happy Palm Sunday. Man, this is such a great time to celebrate when Jesus came in as he was preparing to sacrifice his own life and, and come to life again. So, so we are so happy to have you with us, whether you are with us in person, Terryville, Torrington, New Britain, or online, we welcome you. My name is Judah Thomas, and I'm the lead pastor here. And we are in our series called Another, Another. And, and we've been in this for a couple weeks now. And it's based on the verse where Jesus told his closest friends that, that when he would go away, when he would go to his heavenly father, that his father would send another helper, another helper, the Holy Spirit, a helper, helper to come and help us. But the question is, is help us with what? Right? Help us with what? Like, like what do we need help with? Well, we know that, that he comforts us, of course, and we know that, that he protects us and, and he guides us and, and he instructs us and, and, and he heals us and all these great things. But if we're not careful, it can start to seem like it's all about me. It's all about me, like, like, oh, the Holy Spirit is just for, for me to make my life better, to give me guidance, to provide for me, myself, and I. And, and it's just like the Holy Spirit is just here for me, and he's like my little genie in the lamp. And I've heard people refer to the Holy Spirit as a, as a genie like that, like as if he's somehow our servant. Is he our servant? No, absolutely not. This is the Spirit of the living God. See, we are here to serve God, not the other way around. So, in your notes, if you're taking them, the Holy Spirit is here to guide and empower us to do the will of God. See, it's not just that he's here for me and my pleasure and my enjoyment and my comfort in life. He's here to guide me and empower me, yes, to comfort me, yes, but so that I can do the will of our Heavenly Father. And that is speaking on behalf of Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. But first we need to we need to back up a little bit. Now Jesus was crucified and he was risen from the grave. He was crucified and risen and then uh, after that he he ascended up to heaven again. But before that happened, after the resurrection and before he went to his father, he gathered his disciples around and he wanted to give them some some parting words, some like, some like instructions on, on what to do after he was gone. So we're going to take a look at what he says here in Matthew chapter 28. Looking in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee. So it's eleven because Judas had already, you know, kind of, uh, he, he hung himself. He was out of the picture here. We got eleven disciples left. They're gathering around they're, they're there. Uh, they left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But look at this. But some of them doubted. Like, do we ever have doubts about God? And, and sometimes we, we feel pretty bad about it. Sometimes people will make us feel bad for having doubts. Here, the disciples, they had seen Jesus crucified, resurrected, and some of them were still doubting. Like, like you know, and, and Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't condemn them for that, but they were just, just doubting. They're just still not a, exactly sure about this whole Messiah thing. Continue on verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Like, isn't this awesome to know that we serve a God who is risen, a God who has all authority on heaven and earth. There is no authority. There is no power that is greater than him. And he says, I've been given all authority 
in heaven and on earth. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. Jesus left his closest friends, his closest followers, a mission, and that mission extends to us as well, that we are to live a life close to him and then go and reach others. Go and make disciples. Go and make other followers of Jesus. I've heard people say, well, you know what? I don't know if that's for me. Like, I don't really, I don't really make disciples. I don't really know how to, how to share my faith. I think that was just for somebody else, but it's not for me. No, it is for each and every one of us who are following Jesus. If you follow Jesus, then this great commission is for us. Some say, well, I, I don't have the, the gift of evangelism. And that's basically a fancy way of saying, I'm too scared to go and share my faith. See, it, it, we say the thing that, oh, I, I don't know how to, how to go and, and, and convince somebody to follow Jesus. That doesn't matter because what you can do is you can invite. You can invite somebody to come and hear the message. You can share your story of what Jesus has done in your life. And above all, most importantly, you can show love to people. You can show love to people that you like, and you can show love to people you dislike. You can show love to your enemies as Jesus called us to do. This is what God has called us to do. This is the great commission that we go and make disciples, that our lives become a direction sign pointing to Jesus. In your notes, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. That is why he came, so that he could equip you and me to point people to Jesus and make us more like Jesus in the meantime so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit which we've talked about before. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So he's given us different gifts, gifts that we can serve the world, that we can serve each other. Why? To draw people closer to God, to point people to Jesus, especially those who are far from God. So if Jesus has made a difference in your life, then don't hide it. Don't hide it. Has anybody here ever, ever done CrossFit before? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you people. You know what the first rule of CrossFit is? The first rule of CrossFit, they say, is never stop talking about CrossFit, right? And if you know somebody that's done CrossFit, you know, because it's like CrossFit this and CrossFit that. It's the, same, it's the same across the board with vegans, right? Like if you know somebody that's a vegan, it's like they never stop talking. Well, I don't need that because I'm a vegan. Like we know, we know that you are. It's the same if somebody's training for a marathon, right? It's like, oh, I'm training for a marathon. Did I tell you I'm training? For yes, you told us. It's the same with people who are into essential oils, right? It's the same thing. It's like, come on. Like, we know you're into the oils. Like, for crying out loud, like, we know. We know. Sorry. I don't mean to step on toes here. Um, I know I'm already getting some hate mail. You guys are ready on your phone. I don't like that. Um, 
You know, when I was younger, I don't know, years ago, uh, I got involved with this multi-level marketing company selling vitamins, right? And it's like, and, and, and you sell vitamins to other people, but really the way you make money is not by selling vitamins to people, but it's by enlisting other people to sell vitamins to people. But they don't really make money by selling vitamins either. They, they make money by enlisting other people, and it just becomes this, this whole thing. And, uh, and so they're like, well, you can start out by going and telling your friends and your family about this company and the vitamins and how, you know, they change your life. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I just don't think I can do this. You know, I, I just can't do it. And, and it, it didn't last very long because I just, I just couldn't do it. And that's how many of us, though, are, are, are with our relationship with Jesus. You know, it's like, well, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Like, I'll talk about essential oils. I'll talk about how I'm a vegan. I'll talk about these other things, but I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I don't want people to think I'm weird. Now, hold on. They already think you're weird, okay? So, like, let's just get that out of the way. Like, like they, they probably already think you're weird. So if you talk about the hope of the world, the king of kings, the, the, the name above all names, the Messiah who came to the earth, who suffered and died to forgive us of our sins, if we're ashamed to talk about him, man, we've got some issues there with our faith. See, Jesus is telling his friends what their mission should be. And they still don't get it. Like he's saying, I want you to go and make disciples, and I want you to teach them to obey me, and I want you to baptize them. And they don't get it because they still think that Jesus was there simply to free Israel from the Roman rule. Like that's what they think. They're like, okay, oh, he, he's just here to free us from the Romans. If you know anything about the time period, Israel was a nation, but they, they were uh, invaded by the Romans, and the Romans took over control there. And they just wanted to be free, and that's what they thought Jesus was there for. And we see Jesus is getting ready to go to heaven to be with his Father in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And this is right, right along the same time of the verse that we just read a few moments ago. It says that when the disciples were with Jesus, they kept asking him. They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he's like, he must just be like, you just don't get it, do you? I'm not here to free you from that. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But, verse 8, this is what we're getting at. But you will receive power. Underline that word power. Man, I could use a little bit of extra power in my life. I don't know if you could use any more power, but I know I sure could. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are at the ends of the earth. From, from where they were talking about at that time. Thousands of years later, here we are still talking about this message of good news. He says, but you will receive power. You'll receive power. The Holy Spirit wants to bring power into your life. Power into your life. You know, it, without power, it's kind of like it's kind of like sitting in a sailboat and blowing on the sails and hoping it's going to take you somewhere, right? It's like I'm just why aren't we moving? Because we don't have. The power. We need, we need the wind to move, to, to, to carry us. See, it's like we're trying to do God's work on our own, and, it, and it's pointless. That word spirit, it says Holy Spirit. That word spirit is the word pneuma. And, and, and the word pneuma is, is representative of the spirit of the living God. But you know what another uh, definition of that word pneuma is? It's, it's wind. It's breath. I mean, think about Breath, the breath of God, the power of God. I, you know, right here I, I have a, a, a drill. But this is, this is not anyone. This is a pneumatic, 
right? Pneumatic. You know where that word pneumatic comes from? It comes from the word pneuma, which means air. It's air-powered. It's powered not by electricity, but it's powered by air. And when you connect it to the power, it has the power to change things. See, it's the air that is inside of it, the wind that is inside of it. Think about a, a, a sailboat. Right, You don't need a lot of wind, but that small, that gentle breeze blowing through the air, it doesn't seem very powerful, does it? But when it catches the sails of a sailboat, it can move a boat that weighs many, many tons across the ocean because of the power of the wind, the power of the air. And see, this is what God is given us. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the power, so that we can accomplish great things for his kingdom, so that we can do the work that he has called us to do. He wants to fill us. He wants to empower us. See, this great commission, this work of God is not something that we can do on our own. We need some power. And the Holy Spirit is there to give you the power. What is the power for? I've heard people say, well, God has given me the power. You know, it says, we'll receive power, power so I can, you know, ace my test tomorrow that I didn't study for. You know, it's like we say things like that, but he says specifically you receive power so that you can be a witness. What is a witness? See, he's equipping us with gifts so that we can be a witness. You've been called to the witness stand. What does a witness stand? Uh, what does a witness do? He takes the stand. You don't need to convince anybody. You don't need to argue with anybody. You don't need to manipulate anybody. You don't need to pressure anybody. You don't need to twist anybody's arms. You are just a witness. And what is the purpose of a witness? A purpose of a witness is simply to state what you have seen, heard, and experienced. So what have you seen? What have you heard? What have you experienced? What has God done in your life? You don't need a fancy argument. You don't need to be able to, to, to convince somebody of, of creation and all the intricacies of the universe. See, that is not what God has called us to do. He says he will give us power, power to take the witness stand, to say this is what God has done for me, and maybe he can do it for you as well. In your notes, the Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus by convicting them of their sins. Convicting them of their sins. You know, you, you can't have forgiveness until there's an awareness and an acceptance that you did something wrong. Like, like we don't really like talking about stuff like this, right? Because, because we don't like to think that we ever did anything wrong. But look what it says here in John 16, 8. It says, and when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, and when he comes... He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Underline that. That's what the world's sin is, that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. See, the Holy Spirit is pursuing people. If you're here today, it's simply because the Holy Spirit is pursuing you. You may not even believe what I'm saying is true. You may not even believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but the Holy Spirit has been pursuing you. The Holy Spirit passionately pursues the world and tries to point them to Jesus. And so many people try to run from God. Perhaps you've tried that before. You run from God, and, and man, your little legs, they take you really far, really fast. And then you get there like, oh, oh, I ran away from God. And you look, oh, and there he is. He's right there. Because it, no matter where you go, the presence of God is always there. He's pursuing you. He's unrelenting, and he's unhurried. He's not in a rush because he's everywhere. Wherever you go, he's there. And, and so his job is to convict the world of sin. That word convict also means to convince 
to convince the world that there's a problem, that there's sin, to point out the fault of the world, to show the world their need, their need for God, their need for Jesus Christ, our Lord, to show people that they're sinners in need of a Savior. See, we need to realize that in order to be saved. We can't be saved if we think that we're okay as we are. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction. I'm not talking about guilt, though. Guilt, we can get guilt over all kinds of things because we had, you know, too much cake last night. We can feel guilt about that. We can feel guilt because, you know, we, we uh, you know, uh, spent too much on clothes this week. We can feel guilt for all kinds of things, but the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction into your life. See, most people need to be convinced that they need God. See, we think that we're decent. We think, I'm, I'm, I'm an okay person. And, and, and whenever and there's any problems in my life, well, I don't take credit for that. Like, I blame somebody else, right? I'm going to blame I'm gonna blame somebody else or something else for, for my faults. I'll blame the environment. Uh, I'll bl- blame the government. I'll blame my parents. I'll blame my genetics. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's. We play the blame game. This has been happening ever since Adam, when God said, why did you eat the fruit that I told you not to? And he said, it, said it, the wife gave it to me. He, he didn't even blame her. He actually blamed God. He said, it's, it's the woman you gave me. It's your fault, God, that I ate this. I'm blaming you for my problems. And we always want to blame somebody for the problems that we have. But the Holy Spirit is sent to bring conviction into our life. Not, not condemnation. In your notes, the Holy Spirit doesn't point out sin to bring condemnation but to bring forgiveness. See, what is condemnation? Condemnation is to make you feel bad about yourself. Like there is no hope. There's no way you can change. The the, the enemy of our soul wants to do this all the time to condemn us, to make us feel bad about our past and all these things. See, the Holy Spirit is not convicting to make us feel bad about ourselves because he wants to lead us to forgiveness, because he wants to lead us to Jesus Christ, to the freedom that he offers us. The Holy Spirit wants to bring the light of truth into your life so it can shine in you and then that you can shine to the world around you. See, now, for many people who are following Jesus Christ, sometimes we get our roles a little bit reversed now. We think that convicting and convincing is our job. Like, like we think that we can go around convicting people and trying to condemn people and pointing out the faults in their life. See, that is not what we have been called to do. We get in trouble when we try to do the work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come out well. We push people further away. It doesn't come out as conviction. It comes out as condemnation. See, our job is is to love and to point people to Jesus, and it's the job of the Holy Spirit to bring the conviction because that conviction produces life change. It's like this girl. She was selling Girl Scout cookies. And, uh, and surely you've seen them. You come out of the store, and they're selling them, and they're just, like, standing there. It's like, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to be a horrible person and walk by them or, or whatever? And, and this girl sold more Girl Scout cookies than anybody else in her troop. And somebody says, how did you sell so many Girl Scout cookies? She says, I just look them in the eye and make them feel guilty, you know? Because for some people, guilt is a motivator, but that does not work well when sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. It's good news, not bad news. Why do we make it all about bad news? See, the sin that the world has, though, what, what do we just read here? What is a sin? The sin is unbelief, it said. The world's sin is it refuses to believe in God. And some people wear that as a badge of honor. Well, I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in God. See, and that is the sin. That is what separates us from God. And your notes, unbelief is what separates people from God. It's our unbelief. 
And it separates us. It makes a chasm that we cannot cross until we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Most people think that if there's a God and if there's a heaven, that they're good enough to go. Maybe that's kind of what you thought. It's like the, this, this big cosmic scale of good versus bad. And, and I think God will have this big scale and he'll take all my good and take all my bad and he'll weigh it out. And the bad will probably outweigh the good. But like, let's be honest, like we've done a lot of bad stuff. Like, like I don't think our, our, our good could ever outweigh the bad. We've got a lot of bad things. See, because next to Jesus, you're not that great. Like we, we, we compare ourselves to like, well, I'm not as bad as Hitler. Yeah, but you're not as good as Jesus. Right? Like, well, I'm not as bad. You know, I haven't killed anybody. Yeah, but you're not the son of God. You didn't live, live a perfect, sinless life. And, and see, imperfection always looks bad next to perfection. And Jesus was the perfect one. He's the one who came. But instead of making us pay for our sin, he took our imperfection on him and gave us his perfection. So unless if you possess the righteousness of Jesus, you'll never be able to see God. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus is speaking, says, but I warn you, unless your righteousness, your goodness, your good deeds, the things that you do that you think are so spectacular, unless it's better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law, these were the people who studied it day in and day out. They spent 12 hours a day studying scripture and figuring out how to apply it into their life. He says, unless if your righteousness is better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, not, not, he doesn't say if it's as good as, it's got to be better than. He's basically saying they don't even measure up. Unless if it's better than them, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like one of the most hopeless verses in the Bible. Saying that you'll never see it, and yet you'll never see it if you can't be better than them. So stop comparing your good deeds versus your bad deeds. That's not important in this equation because we can never measure up. Only Jesus provides the righteousness that will save you. Only Jesus came. This is why he died, because he lived a sinless life. And the penalty of my sin was death. And Jesus says, I'll take the penalty for you. I'll take it. I'll pay the price. And then you don't have to. You can gain entrance into heaven. You can gain entrance into the family of God. Because when God sees you, he sees my righteousness. See, this is the gospel that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And then we come to Jesus with belief that he can and will save us. And then God gives you the righteousness of his son, Jesus. So this is why we spread the good news. This is good news. This is not something that brings condemnation. It brings joy and excitement. It brings conviction that leads to transformation. And this is when the Spirit of God and the people of God work hand in hand because we have a task. We have a part to play in this story. In John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says, but I will send the advocate. This is the Holy Spirit again, the helper, the advocate, the comforter. I will send the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father, and he will testify all about me. 
So that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come, and he's going to tell everybody about Jesus. He's going to draw everybody to Jesus. If there's somebody in your life that's far from God, and you've been praying for him, I can assure you the Holy Spirit is working in their life to draw them, to point them to Jesus. If you're far from God, I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit is working in your life to draw you to Jesus. He says, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And verse 27, and you must testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. He's saying the Holy Spirit, his job is to testify, but your job is to testify as well. Our job is to be a witness. So who testifies? The Holy Spirit and me. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the convicting, but he always works through us. He works through people. He works through people who are jacked up and messed up and have a sordid past and and have done all kinds of crazy things, and he works through us. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Cornelius, and he was a a high-ranking Roman guard, Roman official. And and, and he believed in God, but there was still some missing pieces in his faith. And and he would pray, and he would give, and and he tried to live an upright life. And then he had a vision. An angel appeared to him and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. Now I want you to go and send for a man named Peter, and he's going to come and tell you about Jesus. And I read that, and I just think, like, wait a minute. Why didn't this angel tell him? Like, he's already there for crying out loud. He could do a better job than a person could. Why didn't he just tell him? Because for some reason, God likes to work through you and work through me. And he does the work that he can do. But see, we are in God's toolbox. God uses human instruments. In your notes, God uses us to accomplish his work. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. His tools and his toolbox, like this tool that I have, he he wants to fill us with his wind, with his power, so that we can make a difference in this world. That we aren't living a, 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 a sedentary life, that we're not living a complacent life, that we're living a life full of the power of the living God. But here's what's important to know, is that we are not called to be manufacturers of salvation, we are just distributors of it. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that does the saving. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. But we are the distributors. We aren't called to save anyone, but we are there to speak on God's behalf. We are there to tell what God has done in us and through us to be a witness, taking the stand, saying the impact that God has had in my life. So I may have said something that God has used, but it's his message and not mine. We can plant a seed, we can put some water on the seed, we can fertilize the seed, but it's God who brings the growth, God who brings the life, God who brings the power, and that power is available to each and every one of us. God uses the foolish things of this world. I always tell people, this is my credentials in ministry, that God uses the foolish things. God uses the foolish things. He says, not many brilliant people have been called, and not many powerful have been called, but he uses the foolish things, the people like me and the people like you, people like us, people that are normal on our own, but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin a supernatural work, empowered by the Spirit, used by the Spirit. See, that is the winning combination, and that is how the Holy Spirit works in this world. This is not the small commission. This is the great commission. 
Commission. It is not a small task, not something that we can ignore, but something that we've been invited to participate in, and we will receive power to be a witness for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you that you've called us and you've chosen us and that your spirit is at work within us right now. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here convicting us of sin, bringing comfort, bringing peace, giving us gifts and power to spread your name. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, Don't let another day go by. Don't let another day go by wandering. You know that the Holy Spirit is drawing you, that he's convicting you. Even now, you can feel his tug. Don't resist the Spirit any longer. Scripture says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Won't you call on his name? If you believe Jesus has been risen, won't you call on his name and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Fill me, empower me, use me. So, Father, we come to you now and we thank you that you've chosen to use us. As weak as we are, as imperfect as we are, as inadequate as we are at times, you've chosen to work in us and work through us. So we invite you to have your way. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit so that we can be a light in this world, so that we can invite people, so that we can tell them our story, so that we can show love to people who maybe have never felt love before. Lord, let us be your light. Let us be your hands. Let us be your feet pointing the way to Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.